0: Whenever I go to conferences, I prepare two questions to ask people. I don't always ask them, but I like having them in my pocket. It ties the event together for me, and I learn something, and I listen more than I might have if I didn't ask those questions. Adding the feature of recording more strongly connects me to the people I meet. So it was a pleasure to record, meet and record 26 people at the Healthy Voices Conference. So those 26 people, five-minute interviews, quite the challenge to produce. So welcome to this third and final episode of the series from the Healthy Voices Conference. So this question is as when you meet a newbie advocate, somebody new to advocacy, how do you steer them as far as skills, resources, research? Asking this question helps me to understand resources that people trust. You can listen to the podcasts about the two previous questions that I've asked. You can find those in the show notes. So, how did people respond? Well, mostly people responded that know yourself and your skills and don't bite off more than you can chew. I'm going to so in this episode I'm in, going to include 15 of the 26 responses to this question to, you know, reduce redundancy. I did ask a four, fourth question is have you ever heard of PCORI, the Patient Centered Outcomes Research Institute? And I asked this because I'm on the board of PCORI and I was curious. And I'm not going to really include the answers to those questions because 22 of the 26 had never heard of PCORI and only two had any depth of knowledge about PCORI. So listen through the full 15 minutes of this episode and I will share another nugget from the mind, a new feature of this podcast. So Thanks. Welcome to Health Hats, the podcast. I'm Danny Van Loon, a two-legged, cisgender, old white man of privilege who knows a little bit about a lot of health care and a lot about very little. We will listen and learn about what it takes to adjust to life's realities in the awesome circus of health care. Let's make some sense of all of this. First, I
1: was wanted, probably want to find out why they want to get into advocacy, and but I'd really encourage them to find maybe a platform that they feel comfortable with. Don't bite off more than they can chew, because it's easy to get overwhelmed. You want to do all the platforms, all the things. You want to do the politics and policies. The pharmaceutical side, the patient story side, just pick what you're most comfortable with and just focus on that for a while. I usually point point them to the
2: the Lupus Foundation of America. It's because they're well-known. And so they have more resources and connections than I do. So I usually make sure people get my contact information. You may just need somebody to talk to. You may just don't want to jump into meeting, reaching out to the LFA. You may just want somebody to be a friend. And so I give them my contact information.
3: Funny enough, I would point them to LinkedIn. Yeah. And that's only because I started out doing a lot of stuff on social media. Facebook was, I started doing Facebook Lives before Facebook Live was a real thing. But I found that after time, a lot of negativity, a lot of just misinformation, disinformation, all of that stuff. And I find that LinkedIn is a good resource for me. These specific things, looking at what companies are working on and actual real facts, right, are there. And so I tend to tell people, look, if you want to get into advocacy, you've got to be on LinkedIn, not social media, but LinkedIn and find out what these companies are working on find out what's out there in the future and really just gear your thoughts towards what's there in the potential. First, I would definitely point into, of course, I'm going to say me, a huh? uh-huh. website and things of that sort. But no, the, your website, I, would you like to know the name of my website? Yeah. Oh, the Lupus Liar, dot com. So just as it sounds, T H E L U P U S L I A R. dot com. Oh. The other main thing I would point them to is to not be re- reluctant to actually ask your medical provider or your medical partner team for information. Don't be reluctant because they don't know what you need unless you ask. Usually at other advocates.
4: Okay also, I'm very big on facts and myth-busting. And as someone who is a historian and does research, I will sit with someone and show them how to properly research something and how to find the foundation on which they want to advocate, I think that it's really important because when you first start advocating or when you first get diagnosed and then you decide you want to advocate or you're a caregiver who wants to advocate, you just want to help or you just want to find the information yourself. Usually your advocacy comes from wanting to know how to help yourself. So I try to help them and this might sound a little bit like branding, but I try to help them find their foundation and their platform. What exactly do they want to do? And it could be broad, but they have to kind of figure that out first, and then they can go and find all the resources that they need and research the information and decide if they want to be someone who is giving people social tips, if they want to give people information on research and development or legislative tips. Like, you have to know what your lane is and refine that day-to-day.
1: I love learning more about the new clinical trials. Okay. There are medications coming out. One is called a TAR-1 agonist, to be specific. It's a different mechanism of action for antipsychotics. So, Say it again. Cl- uh, TAR-T-R-1 agonist That's what it's called. Uh-huh. It's in clinical trials okay. right now. And there are other brand-new medications coming through. So I think that's one of the most exciting advances in the schizophrenia field right now. But, yeah, if I were to talk to a newbie advocate... I would tell them to share their story. Everybody has to choose if they want to keep it as something in the past or if they want to share it, and every Mm -hmm. person will make that choice. But as for the people who do want to share, I would encourage them to go for it. Contact your local university. Contact your church, Mm -hmm. perhaps. Contact NAMI chapters or other nonprofit organizations. Mm -hmm. Make yourself available. If this is something you really want to do, then create a PowerPoint. I have a PowerPoint presentation I've probably used at least a hundred times, and I would also tell them that choosing to advocate is rewarding, and I'm so glad I've done it over the years.
3: I report for two places that I consider to be the most—they have credibility, high credibility when it comes to cancers, and that is Patient Power. Which is an online resource, PatientPower.info, yes. as well as the patient story, and that is also online. I know they're very credible because I followed them, I've tested them, and also the people who started them are also broadcast journalists and were trained in in having to be credible and at least we were, and in telling the truth about things. But also they do this very compassionately. I've had the, I've been blessed to be able to do this with them, with each of them, and. Also, for people with CLL, the CLL Society is a wonderful resource as well. And
0: which stands for
3: chronic lymphocytic leukemia. Thank you. And that is the leukemia that I live with. And they're both very good, as well as there are support groups online. Yeah. You have to test and see which one is for you. But when online, the social media, like for instance, for CLL patient, there's one called uh, the CLL Support Group. Easy to, very intuitive. And also, I've started a women's community with another CL, and it's called. We have one for virtual meetings called CLL Women Strong, and but the community that's on top of that we started is called Kicking Cancer and Heals. And we found that there are similarities between women, women how they feel in their lives and how they're changed with any cancer diagnosis. And we, it's about living, like in quotes, with cancer and living your best life with cancer. So it's everything around your cancer other than, we certainly talk about it, but it's like everything else that happens to you. And we have specialists on about that. We have frank conversations. It's just...
5: I would tell them to check with, depending on what they want to advocate for primarily many of us have comorbidities as I do but I primarily do my public policy volunteer work with the multiple sclerosis society the national MS society so if it's another person with MS I tell them to go to the MS society website there's an advocacy section and even just something as simple as getting started to receive the email updates and they'll send you an email when there's information or a legislative bill that they're trying to get gather support for and you can actually just fill out your support with the click of a couple of buttons you don't have to go to the state house and testify to be an advocate you can do it from your couch or from your bed or from your hospital room and that for me is fantastic and most organizations have something like that now so i recommend going to your main organization and at least signing up for those emails or checking out what resources that they have. Of course, Healthy Voices is a fabulous resource. I always recommend they have years of data and information. So the healthyvoices.com and you can view past conferences as well as this conference that we are currently at, which is very exciting. Probably
4: within their own like community other people who have been advocating i that's what i do i watch other people who are advocating and i take notes (laughs) i say i like what they're doing or i see them having success with something and so if a new advocate would to ask i would say watch other people that you admire and try to do something similar or spin it for your own advocacy You can always spin it and tailor it to what you're advocating for if you like what someone else is doing.
0: Now a word about our sponsor, Abridge. Record your healthcare conversations with doctors and other clinicians with Abridge. Push the big pink button and record. Read the transcripts or listen to clips when you get home. Check out the app at abridge.com. A B R I D G E dot com or download it on the Apple App Store or Google Play Store. Let me know how it went.
4: So the first thing that I found when I was researching was NAMI, the National Alliance of Mental Illness. Yeah. And I honestly feel like that's a really good place to start because there's a lot of information about mental illness that people don't know about. And a lot of people don't even know there, there's probably a NAMI in your city that you can go to and find more resources. So that was one of the first times I felt like I was getting somewhere. So I feel like I would tell a, a new advocate like start
5: there. It's important to research to other advocates. Okay. Just so that they don't feel like they're at it by themselves because when you're first new at something, you often can feel isolated or you may not quite belong. So I like to point them to other advocates within the realm that I'm advocating, which is the diabetes sector. So my platform is Instagram and also I've been on many different podcasts, okay. interviews, I'm also a registered dietitian, so I write articles in yeah. the sense of reporters reach out to me. I give them the information okay. and write articles. And what's your way.
0: Instagram handle?
5: Lady Lex, L-A-D-I-E-L-E-X.
2: I would honestly just try and point them to influencers not in the same space as them that are doing something big and significant. So like following Mr. Beast or other big YouTubers and seeing what they do and then researching how they do what they do and then apply that to your own specific category that you want to focus on. So if your category is rheumatoid arthritis... That's cool, but you should see what is working for other people potentially and then see if that inspires you to make content that would then resonate with those with rheumatoid arthritis. My platform of choice right now is Facebook Groups. I absolutely love Facebook Groups. I think they're such an important tool to let anybody ask questions. It's not a one-way street. It's a two-way street for information. So I run the Alzheimer's and Dementia A support group on Facebook. I think it's like the second or third largest with 30,000 members. And so you can join that. You can see how the group is run. It's very hands-off. I hardly do anything on that group. I really just help make sure it's a safe place for communication to take place. And I let everybody else ask whatever questions they need.
6: I have a website, Patient Power, so that helps. And I recommend some others. What I try to do also is help them identify who are the providers that are knowledgeable in what they have. Because a key source, obviously, for health information for people is a knowledgeable healthcare team. Because you want to get well, so you need treatment. Now, there are lots of other issues. Affordability, living with, quality of life, side effect management, a million things. But first, I try to help people Identify who are the doctors primarily, who are leaders for what they've got, and ideally to connect with them even as a second opinion. So even if you live in a very rural area, remote area, can somehow you be in contact with the leaders for what you have so that your treatment plan, your diagnosis is accurate and your treatment plan is on track with hopefully state-of-the-art medicine. Then the next step, of course, is affordability, which is a big thing now related to treatment, is what are the resources to help you depending upon your personal financial situation? Are there foundations? Is there an advocacy group? If you're in a clinical trial, is there assistance to be in the clinical trial? So it varies, but I think it starts with who's knowledgeable in treating you. Or advising your doctor on what treatment you should have. When it's tech I don't understand, I go to my kids. <laughs> I always say start with what you know.
4: If you're good at writing, blogging, writing books might be something that's good for you. If you're like just good at speaking and connecting with people, maybe you want to volunteer work and go to like different centers. If you're someone who's already always on TikTok, Instagram, and you're good with tech stuff then video might be your option. Too many people try and dive in to the deep end and they get overwhelmed just trying to cover all the bases. Just start with what you know and branch out
0: from there. Thank you. Funny. I love the passion and diversity of people with lived experience. I especially like Ryan's Outside Your Bubble response to finding good examples of advocacy in arenas in which you are unfamiliar. I resonate with Brooke's comment about showing newbies how to research. Bethany's suggesting about creating a PowerPoint for yourself worked for me. I have evolving resources as I keep clarifying what I'm about and what I offer. I think mission statement. Mine is learn with people on the journey toward best health. And I appreciate that people offered themselves as resources. I often talk with newbies about trust, how to create trust in yourself. I mentioned creating document and feeding your network. Feeding a network means responding when asked to help, and replying to people on social media. People are more likely to respond to you if you've responded to them. I introduce people to PCORI and the Society for Participatory Medicine. Howard's statement, when it's tech, I go to my kids, is spot on. For me, it's my grandkids. Nuggets from the Mind. I recommend following Knowledge for Caregivers podcast, a link in the show notes. It's a practical tips from Kathy, a geriatric nurse, on how to help your aged loved one. Practical tips that I use with my own family to help navigate the caregiving role. 10 to 15 minute episodes range from activities of daily living, like dental, showering, cooking, home modifications, driving, assisted living, power of attorney, conflict, pain management, case managers, medical marijuana. Quite a broad spectrum, eh? It's practical, practical, practical. Check it out. write, edit, engineer, and produce Health Hats, the podcast. Kayla Nelson provides website and social media consultation and creates video trailers. Joey Van Leeuwen supplies musical support, especially for the podcast intro and outro. I play Barry Sachs on some episodes, alone, or with the Lechuga Fresca Latin band. I'm grateful to you, who have the most critical roles as listeners, readers, and watchers? See the show notes, previous podcasts, and other resources through my website, www.health-hats.com, and my YouTube channel, at D-V-A-N-L-E-E-U. Please subscribe and contribute. If you like it, share it. See you around the block.